Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Brashid Podcast. We are pleased to be joined today by a very special guest, Father Neil Mecca. Father, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for the invite, Andrew. Shemasha Ishu. Um, God bless you on this ministry that you've started. Okay. It's great to see this initiative from young men like yourself and also all those who are involved. Uh, back screen on Shaheen as well is involved with this. So he's with us today, but he's off the set and also those behind the camera so god bless all you that are involved with this may christ accept your service thank you thank you father so today we'll be discussing a very important aspect of christian life the family unit and the family unit is the most fundamental unit in society but today we see the family unit being deconstructed and other weird and unnatural structures are being proposed and brought to fruition however when society decides to strip god's system apart and put in place their own fantasies everything crumbles and people are often left stranded we know people do not prosper when they are alone. We see all throughout human history that people strive when they work together according to what God has put in place for us. Yes, sir. and before us humans either, uh, ever understood the concept of loneliness, um, God knew that it is not beneficial for people to be alone. And in, it says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. That's in Genesis 2.18. And then in verses 21 to 24 of the same chapter, it says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So that's Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 to 24. That's right. And we see later on, God commands Adam and Eve to bring forth children, and also, they will also be with God in the presence, in, with God in the Garden of Eden, and to enjoy his presence. Yep. And we see clearly that God established this holy relationship, this unity between a husband and a wife, yep. from the very beginning. And it's a clear structure, and we see... It helps society to grow and it all stems from yeah, this family unit the whole structure um, which we'll go through now um, right. stems from this so father we'd like to ask you um, what does the Bible tell us about the structure of a family okay well um, it's a very important verse that you brought up Genesis um, when we look at that we see really the wisdom of God, you know, we really get an insight into, you know, his, his, you know, planning behind humanity, planning behind creation itself. Uh, throughout, you know, the creation story, you see every time that God created something, it was good. Yeah. It was good. But the verse that you pointed out, Genesis chapter 2, the first time gets God says something was not good, and that was that man should be alone. Yeah. So what does this tell us? that God Hasli, didn't know what he was doing. He was fumbling around in creation, making things and looking, saying, there's something missing here. I just don't know what it is. It's not the case. No. He knew exactly. And he, he staggered creation for this purpose exactly. to give us insight, to give us understanding. It was for our benefit. When we look back in hindsight. So if God created Adam and Eve together, there'll be a problem within order because God is a God of order within God exactly. there is the, the Trinity and with that that's there's an order there's a hierarchy 
But again, that hierarchy is not a supremacy. And this flows into the, the na- nature of, you know, uh, husband and wife. Yep. So God staggered creation so that why Adam will come to the sense that it's not good for man to be alone. And then really, what does God do? He creates animals, really, in, in the Genesis chapter yeah, 2 account. Right. And then they're not comparable to him. They can't help no. him to do what he's called to do. Yeah. So then he creates woman. And then Adam comes to a realization that she is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. So she is like him. She is able to help him. And so what do we have here? We have now this community that is brought, that is brought together with order. Adam and then Eve. Yep. Okay. So this community, how does it function? Adam being now the head, he was the older one created beforehand. God gave him direct instruction of what he used to do. Look after my garden. Don't eat from this tree. Eat from any other tree. And so when the woman is brought in and she realized that there's a person standing there, he has named me, he has called me, and he's telling me about all things I don't know about yet. Mm. So she realized he knows something that she doesn't. Exactly. Okay. So this, there's this order now that God has established. Adam realized that although he is before her, he's not better than yep. her. Yep. So this hierarchy is not supremacy. And I think we'll speak about this. Yes, later. Right. I yeah. think we can compare it to like a comf- company. So in a company, in the hierarchy of a company, you don't see two chief financial officers That's or right. two CEOs. But if you take one member from that hierarchy away, the company can't survive. If you take the financial advisor of the company, how is the company going to ma- manage That's its right. finances? Doesn't mean just because someone is a CEO, someone's a financial officer, that someone's more important than the other. But it's just different roles different, yep. that there is. And with God's structure, the beauty of God's structure, he gives emphasis or importance to everyone. But it's the way that they're structured that they're given different roles. And I believe we, we will go through that. Yeah, just with that, it, it's actually it's a divine model. It's a divine pattern. That's right. Exactly. Patterned on himself. Because as we said, God is a he's an eternal community, an eternal fellowship within the Trinity. Yeah. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Exactly. So when we look at this, we see that Christ, he mentions, I've come to do the will of my Father. Okay. Does that mean that Christ is less than the Father? Mm. Because he is being obedient. He's doing things that, you know, he's doing the will of his Father. Yeah. And then later we see that when Christ speaks about the Spirit, in, in you know, the Gospel of John, he says, the Holy Spirit will come. He'll speak about, he won't speak about himself. He'll speak about me. He'll reveal things to you about me. Okay, so again, we see how the Holy Spirit is now working in, in, a, in a way where it's, it's not, you know, it's being, again, say, obedient to the things that Christ is teaching, but it's not taking away. No. So we confess Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they're all God. Not one is less, okay? Exactly. One is not less than the other. But because there is an order, it's not a supremacy. There's a hierarchy. And that, again, that divine model pattern is what he has actually placed in creation. Exactly. That's right. He's given us the best, mm. which is him. Yeah. And the beauty of what Father Neil said, where he said, and this is not good. He called everything else good, but he said this is not good. And that point of emphasis that God makes that this is not good is not, as Father Neil said, he said, it's not, you know, saying that, oh, God was changing his mind or anything. No. But that point of emphasis that he puts on the relationship between a husband and a wife. And we see that this is something that's core, like, we see other things that God, you know, he's revealed through his prophets or he's revealed through Jesus Christ, his son. Like when um, 
he sent down the Ten Commandments through Moses and but this he himself you know m mentions it himself so this just puts that that em emphasis that point of importance to such a holy and um, you know relationship because it comes from God as in he did it himself he didn't send anyone to explain it yep. he didn't do it through a prophet he himself put it and mentioned and from that point of time or that event that occurred we see that it all stems down and St. Paul talks about it and right back to the family to the, unit exactly. that's right mm. and just like father said there is a hierarchy even within the family unit and many people like I've you you kept saying it's not a supremacy mm -hmm. and we have that we have to take that into consideration because just because someone is a leader or just because someone is in charge that doesn't make them better mm -hmm. than anybody else and i think from that it helps us to interpret what saint paul later writes in ephesians 5 where he says for the husband is the head of the wife as also christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body therefore just as the church is subject to christ so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. Or we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. We see he puts that he puts the husband as the head, but he also shows the great sacrifice that a man has to give for his mm -hmm. wife. That's right. And Father, what can you tell us about that? How is that important in a man's life or in a family's life to have that sacrifice? Okay. Well, look, this is something that we address in our marriage counseling because this exactly these are the things that we talk about. You know, yeah. we take this Saint Paul how he has, you know, he has really unveiled marriage for what it should be, that relationship between God and us, yep. okay? And he places on men's shoulders the great accountability, responsibility. Like husbands love your wives, okay? That's why, in, especially in Abu Rakh as well, you know, the, the, the husband drinks two-thirds of that cup as a reminder you're taking on, mm. okay? It's, yep. not, it's, not the, it's not a, you know, um, dictatorship. It's not, yeah. you know... Uh, you know, a, a tyranny where you know you click your fingers. You know, and no, yeah. that's that's not that's not. But this is what has been you know by popular thought from those outside the church trying to destabilize the family, the church. That you know, uh, to say that it's um, you know male headship is wrong. Um, but look, there has been many people, you know, males, fathers, husbands who have misused this. Right. You know, which has you know led to these sort of things but when we look at it as how you know husbands are called to be and wives um in the likeness of christ okay and how was he in in everything and all his authority all his power what did he do he was the most humble man to ever lived that's right so he served he bent down he washed the feet of disciples and this is what we we tell husbands when you come this is what leadership is in the likeness of christ where you bend down before your wife and you surf her. This is what leadership is. Yeah, right. you lead okay. from the front. That's You're right. the example. You have to be like Christ. Yeah, and the wife, they're called to be like the church, obedient. Listen, what, what Christ deposited to the church, you know, she looked, when we talk, when talking about the church, we're talking about, you know, in this case, wives, theologically, we're talking about us, people. Mm. 
we looked at Christ and he revealed to us the potential for what we are called to be, yeah. like him. Okay, So within this uh, relationship, um, uh, we see really how these roles play up. Leadership is service and humility, okay, and and the, and the wife is to be obedient to her husband, but the husband has to become like Christ. Yep, yep. Okay, not in all things. If the husband is seeking to do things that are against the teaching of Christ, no, there's no obedience to that. Exactly. Yep. You know, so they have to work together in harmony to to, to bring to, to bring you know this to fruition. And really, it's it, you spend your life doing it. It's a lifelong vocation. Exactly. You know, it's not a supernatural thing that you receive at your wedding, at your burach, and that's it, done. No, you've got to flesh it out. Yep. You know, so, I don't know if I've answered your question. No, no that's, that's, that's fine. I think what I love um, about what St. Paul says in this chapter of Ephesians, he says, um, for you should love your wife as your own body, and for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does for the church. So the beauty of this thing is that the wife and the husband at marriage become one. And when they become one, it means that you can't live without the other half. So a family without a mother struggles. Right. A family without a father struggles. Because if there's a father but no mother, then who's going to, you know, that have that characteristic, that nourishing yeah. characteristic that only a mother possesses? You know, I'm not saying that a father, you know, doesn't have that caring nature to we, his but children. But we see a mother is more, it tends more towards that, it's yeah. more kind, it's more giving. Exactly. A father can do that, but a father, just like God gave different roles, a father's more is like a leader, a stronger figure, not to take anything away from the women, but that's just how God established things. Exactly. And we see that um, from like biological terms, we yep. see uh, when a child is born and they place the child on the mother's chest, and the child feels the heartbeat of the mother, they know that this is their mother straight away. Um, and this is the beauty of, you know, the structure that God has put into place. Because just because he's assigned different roles, um, like we mentioned, it doesn't mean that these roles are more or less important. If you take one form out of the relationship or the structure of the family, you're going to struggle, you're going to yeah. suffer. And this is what St. Paul does so beautifully. He takes what God has given us and he just... Um, describes it beautifully by comparing that relationship between Christ and the church. And another beautiful thing about the Christ and the church, although we listen to Christ's instruction and Christ's commandment, Christ also listens to his church. You know, when we ask Christ in prayer, when we ask Christ um, for something or when we pray to him, he listens to us as well. So there's a, a dialogue. It's not a monologue of Christ right. being a dictator on the church. Mm -hmm. Do this. Um, if you don't do this, you are not my um, servant. Uh, and as we see in other um, forms of, um, we'll get into that. That's another right. time, Christ gave Himself for the church. Exactly. You know th that's the promise. His body. He he laid down His life. That's why husband love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave Himself for her. You know yeah. that's the thing. So, and it's it's a big calling for you know to to love you know husbands love their wives like Christ, like the church, and, to, and for wives to be obedient to the husbands as the church is. That's why I say it's a lifelong mission yeah. and vocation that uh, couples have to really um, appreciate and strive for. Exactly. Okay. Yep. I think just one final thing to end this part of is they have God's law as their authority above all of them, exactly. and that's what they that's what they have to live their lives according to. Not oh, I, I, it's meant to be like this, or society decides this, but what God established and the way they should bring forth children. 
and the way they should live their lives is all written in God's law and God's word and that's for them to follow. I think that then brings us further. How are the dad, the father and the mother instructed to raise their children by God or what do we what does the church teach if you could tell us a bit about that uh, well we, you know it's St. Paul again I think it's in the next chapter of Ephesians uh, it talks about you know uh, how how they are to, to raise their children you know in the sight of the Lord do not anger them do not you know um, uh, do not bring them up in a way uh, you know that's going to uh, dislodge them or disdain them but really it's to bring them up in in a nurturing environment where you know parents uh, you can say that you know I think it's St. John Chrysostom who talks about it but parents uh, become parents in two ways first it's the biological natural mm. but second is the spiritual you know so you become yeah. parents by nature and you become parents by nurture so one is that we bring children into the world. Then we spend their whole life trying to bring them into the kingdom. Yeah, exactly. You know, that, that's where our efforts go. And this is what God's going to hold us account to. Okay. Uh, how we raised our children in the sight exactly. of the Lord, you know. Uh, and that, that comes down to, to everything. Um, our decisions, you know, our, our very own conduct. Uh, so it requires a lot from ourselves that we have to always be engage and in venturing into our own uh, you know personal you know devotion towards you know Christ and, and God and the church and how we walk because we're our you know parents are the greatest teachers exactly you know, because the children always see they're always they're all with you all the time and they you are know? the greatest the teachers to their children because they have the greatest master above them which teaches them all things and that is Christ Jesus that's right and what people don't realize nowadays is just how in-depth the Bible is about um, that in-depth the Bible goes into how to raise your kids I mean it's almost like a manual you know if you do pay attention um, you, there's no single question that you can't you can't ask and then say oh I can't get that answer and even if you can't find it yourself, like you said, if there's marriage counseling where the priest is there and you ask them questions and they'll pull up everything and it's all from scripture. You know, the, the, the thing is, the sad thing is now people ask, okay, who's God to determine how I'm going to uh, build my family? Who's God to determine how I'm going to structure my family? But then you see that um, not only is the word of God pointing to a family structure like this, but also biological scientific facts point to a structure of a family like this if you don't have a father and a mother how can a father and a father build a family or a mother and a mother build a family That's right. you can't it's scientifically not possible and it's co completely contrary to scripture so we see that it's it's everything that god has built revolves around this structure of humanity and humanity being fruitful for one purpose so that the transmission of the knowledge of God and his scripture passes down through the father and the mother to the children and their children and their children. So it passes down just like we've seen in the genealogy of the of certain people where the knowledge is passed down from a father to his children to his children. So if we don't have this structure, how is the next generation going to know about God and what he teaches us? How is the next um, generation going to live with these ethics, these morals that come from God, because God is the ultimate lawgiver. And if God isn't the ultimate lawgiver, then who is the ultimate lawgiver? 
laws don't just pop up by themselves. That's right. We can't make our own laws because it ends. we've seen how laws yeah. have been made in the past by um, fanatics such as Hitler yeah. and you know slavery in America. So if there is no lawgiver, then how can you have laws? It all comes from God, and God sets this structure out and clearly has a purpose for it. Like we said in this uh, situation of family structure, it's for the transmission of knowledge from the parents to the children and throughout the That's generations. Right. So we, I think parents, they're called by God to transmit that knowledge, but also to keep their kids um, away from anything that's opposite to that. Exactly. So we see like nowadays in schools and mainly even in like, like the science curriculum now, it's evolutionary, humanistic, it's atheistic. It doesn't have any any relation to God. God's been taken out of the equation. I think before, even in public schools in Australia, they used to start the day with the Lord's Prayer and that's completely taken away. So I think parents have to know about what's going on in this world, like what <clears throat> the children are being exposed to on social media, um, all, all the ideas there. And especially, again, they're all humanistic. Exactly. They don't involve God. So I think many parents think, oh, I shouldn't like Bible bash my kid. I shouldn't shove it down their throat. But Father, what do you think is the like right um, right approach or the right way or how can they do it in, with meekness, with kindness and an understanding? Yeah, I mean, way? It's, again, it's not, there's no one answer that fits all, but it's, it's a lifelong thing. Yep. You know, it's it's that relationship that you cultivate, you know, with your, your children, you know, your household. There, there's, we can speak about a lot of things. It's a yeah. big yeah. subject. <laughs> like, uh, what, what's affecting, you know, the family? Yeah. The family, you know, there's so many pressures, you know, from, you're talking about from one end, you know, this, this uh, ideas, these secular you know, yeah, things that are coming in through education. Mm -hmm. But okay, there's always going to be external pressures. You know? right. uh, another one is like if we're talking just in New South Wales, Sydney, the cost of living is very expensive. Yep. Yeah. So mum and dad have to work longer, harder, okay, to make ends meet. Okay. And that's, that's just make ends meet. And then, you know, throw into the equation as well, the, you know, materialism things and you know you don't want your child to miss out on things and you know puts more pressure that financial burden mum and dad are, you know away longer from from the children mum has to work yep. again like again you know the the model really the best model if it's if parents can do it it's hard like you know if i speak about myself my own family my wife and i we can't both of yep. us have to work That's right. to make ends meet exactly. but if we could uh, the ideal uh, situation would be, you know, the mums to stay home mm. and to look after the children, yep. raise them up. And again, you got a lot of pressure coming from the outside to that devalues this, you know, mother staying at home looking mm. after children like it's something, you know, beneath, you know, uh, working women. No, yep. if women want to work and raise children, that's you know, God bless them, do that. But there's nothing in the Bible no, against it. There's nothing. That's right, yeah. But if if a mother can stay home. And look after the children and you know the single wage of the husband can support the family that is really the best model yeah you know because no one's going to raise their children like the mother yep. you know having that structure there and you know being there having that uh, relationship building up from the start they're really going to uh, implement they're going to lay those foundations you know those, those necessary early foundations to, to build on so um yeah i think it's just that relationship having that mm -hmm. time really Again, in the household, when parents do have time for their children, what is that time like? Mm. You know, what is that time yeah. like? Is it time together engaged or it's like one roof together, but everyone's doing separate things? Mm. 
that's going to have you know an impact as well. Exactly. That's right. You know, so really coming together, uh, having that time together in 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 all things. You know, face to face dialogue. You know, uh, talking about their day. You know, the faith. Many factors. Mm. I think um, that this is seen as a huge benefit when um, the father and the mother are both working, and the children are all left to be raised by schools and society mm, yeah. and the internet and Hollywood and the scientific curriculum that is taught. Because the problem is that um, in our schools, like Andrew said, the scientific curriculum or um, the what society in general accepts and not accepts, they instill it into the kids' minds as this is gospel, this is the truth. But in reality, the children, what's happening to them is they're taking a huge leap of faith thinking that that is truth. Yep. What is being taught to them is so false if they understand it, but it's portrayed in a way that makes it seem like truth so much that they are confident in believing this. So when they do come to the father and mother and they hear something else, they'll be like, hang on, I was taught this in school. So which one's correct? I mean, the way you're putting it sounds like faith, but the way my school put it sounds like facts. But it's actually in reverse. But this is the problem, as you said. Um, and this is eliminated, as you said, by making time. You know, if you make time and discuss and, you know, go through this slowly every day. Uh, what did you learn at school today? What did you see on Internet today? Um, tell me about it. What do you think? Just that discussion, you know, it can change the perception because it's prophesied in the book of Isaiah that good will be called bad and bad will be called good. That's right. And that's what's happening in today's world. And the young kids that are growing up in today's world are seeing the good as bad and the bad as good. And that is something that's hard, as you said, to combat. But when you do have that time, making that time um, consistently, not like... Um, I think it's not just that, like, Father, you mentioned, about, it's not just that one specific time. It's like throughout your life. Exactly. Through yeah. everything you do, you mentioned God. And not so much as to like always hammer it down, but it's like little things here and there. Yeah. A quick mention here and there it, it helps build a kid's faith and always remember that god's in their life well they're gonna see if you're real christians in the home as you are outside of the home exactly yeah. they're gonna determine that like by you know uh, you know you tell them to pray but do you pray to, at home together exactly you know do you pray just when you go to church if you go to church so there's, gonna, there's a big disconnect there if you know you're doing one thing outside but you're not doing that same thing inside they're going to say, why is dad doing, why is dad telling me to do this when he doesn't do it himself? That's right. Mm. And I think the best way, as we said, to lead is by to lead from the front, to lead by example. Um, when they see someone doing something that they're being taught to do, that is what makes them, you know, want to believe in it more because it's actually happening. Um, and I think that's the very important thing that Father Neil mentioned is example, leading by example. And when this stuff is instilled in a young age, it's like a tree. When you have a tree and you raise it, nurture it in the correct way, even though its branches might deviate a little bit as it's growing, the foundation is still solid. So it will always remain a solid, tall standing tree and produce fruits. However, if you don't take care of the tree and the tree starts getting weeds and you know starts growing to the right or left, eventually it'll either fall or the weeds will kill it. So this is, I think, a very important thing to know. Um, uh, to start to not you know make it too late don't be too late and there is such thing as being too late because yep. sometimes when we've ignored something for so long and it grows then it's 
becomes uncontrollable and um like proverbs 22 6 it says train up a child in the way that he should go and when he is old he will not depart from it exactly and it's assuming that you train them up when they're young because it's preparing them from when they're young for, for when they're old sorry because we often see like many even christian children they might be really strong in their faith when they're young maybe throughout their teen years 15 16 they fall away but then you see later after that like their late teens early 20s they they find god again they come back their faith grows stronger and I think that's where that, that verse really comes in. It's even if they fall away, they'll come back because their foundation is strong, because it's been strong, because the parents have a good foundation as well, because their faith is strong in Jesus. I think, it, like last Sunday, I think it was, we, we had a look at the parable of the particle son, you know, yep. the, Luke 15. The, the, the three parables, but specifically that one, that's the major one. And you see the younger son, he departed from his father's house, but then he came back. He came back because he knew the goodness of his father. My father has so many servants and you know, they all have you know, enough bread. I'll go back. So he was raised, you can say, if we're talking in the context, he was yep. raised in a, in a loving, nurturing, godly home. He departed, but he came back. Yep. Okay? So it's exactly. the same. It's the yeah. same. We can exactly. say. Yeah, and I completely agree with you. And I think the final question to you know, cap this all off is, what advice do you have to people who are looking to start a family in order to build their lives on the foundation of God's Word? Okay, you might have to repeat the question a few times because I might go off here and there. <laughs> but okay, so to begin with, you have to have a relationship with God. Yep. Because yep. if we go back to, you know, the, back to the, the program, yep. you, you know, you introduced and we spoke again, uh, God established a marriage between you know Adam and he blessed them be fruitful multiply so God has to be part of your lives okay if you you're entering to to marriage you have to have a relationship understanding with God if not you have to be undertaking and venturing you know to do so uh, because you can't do it without because even with you know having the understanding it doesn't make it easier but you know you have that conviction you have that drive to to continue without that at the first sight of trouble, you're going to, you know, pack in yep. the towel and go. So having an understanding um, of, of, you know, of God, uh, namely, you know, Christ, look at Christ, you know, for, for fathers, you know, look at Christ, how he interacted with the people, his humility, you know, how was he, you know, if we're going to, if husbands are called to be in the modeled on Christ, then you have to know how Christ is. Exactly. How can you be like Christ if you don't know nothing about That's him? Right. Exactly. How he dealt with people, you know, uh, how he served, you know, how his humility was. And same, look look at the church for for life. Look how the church was obedient to, to Christ. You know, it's saying that you know he he cleansed her by the wa washing of water and the word that he might present to her, you know, without uh, without wrinkle and spot. You know, a glorious church. So the church, as in us again, the people. She looked at Christ and, you know, all the virtues that we have from Christ, okay, because we've seen He's revealed to us what humanity can do. So, you know, we're seeing how uh, the, the church was, okay, obedient to, to Christ in all things. So having this understanding, okay, that's one, or, or that's two. We're talking about, you know, Christ and the church. Yeah. But also think about, you know, your homes, you know. Uh, your home has to be... A home away from home. A home away from So where is your actual home? The church. The church. So your home away from home, what does that mean? Has to be 
It has to complement the church. Yes, that's right. It has to be an extension of that. Mm-hmm. You know, your your domestic church, you know, your home church. Exactly. Okay, so the things that we see in the church in which we worship has to be replicated <laughs> to an extent. I'm not talking like sacraments and all that. We're not going to be offering the sacraments yeah. in the house. <laughs> but, you know, a church is a house of prayer. And, and prayer is one of the, you know, uh, corner blocks for families. We, we said that before, but oh, like sorry. really... How 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 much family is really praying together? Because we're called to be a community member. It, it's community. As a church, we pray together in the house of the Lord. We should be doing it at home as well. There's nothing embarrassing about husbands and wives with their children coming together. How beautiful, you know, and offering prayers in your home. I'm not talking about you know shaharta vigil, you know, three four hour prayers going through a hundred psalms, but like. Say say our Lord's prayer, maybe a psalm, you know, yeah. and introduce like you really you're teaching your children about you know because these little things are what makes a difference in their life. In Absolutely. The future. So you know we talk about <clears throat> having that time together as a family, like dinner time. Yeah. Okay. Um, we can say uh, devotion time, praying together. Yeah. Okay, and uh, even your recreation, your downtime. You know, yeah. it's it's it, it's and so we can see these things. So really, it's. You know, we we have to share uh, for for you know future husbands and wives entering to marriage. We have to share all of ourselves with each other. It's not just a physical relationship, okay? It's not just a physical relationship, no. okay? It has to be our spiritual as well because we're composite beings. We're both spiritual and physical. We're physical and yeah. both medical. So, yeah. That's why. So we've got to interact not just on the physical but on the spiritual as well. As the commandment, you know, love the Lord <clears throat> with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Like, so with all yourself. So we have to bring all ourselves in our relationship at home with each other. This is, you know, fundamental. Exactly. Okay? Because then really it's missing. The balance is out. Yep. We're not giving everything. Okay. Yeah. But so how beautiful, you know, it is, you know, family, you know, the husband and wife, the children, this, this family unit is the most intimate community. And so if this is really connected and strong and it just continues to spread out into the society, into, you know, humanity. And I think if your family, like if the families within the church are strong, it strengthens the whole Absolutely. church. Absolutely. This is, this is, it's so great to the mission of the church that, you know, households are strong, you know. The, the church, the world at large will, you know, uh, benefit. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so in- intimate, as you mentioned, because God himself put it into place. He... Um, put the structure he put what happens what goes on how it's meant to be how are parents meant to treat their children how are parents meant to teach their children how the children are meant to obey their parents respect their parents um, and because God specified this relationship so much that makes it even more beautiful and important than it is um, and that's why when society tries to tell us something different or when society teaches us something different we shouldn't you know, change our path or change our way. We should stand firm in the word of God exactly. because His His way is righteous. And Father, if you have anything else to add on that, yeah, that's it. Like, uh, you know, information, you know, uh, that we receive transforms us. There's an information transformation. So really, what we're feeding to ourselves is going to, you know, there's going to be something that's going to come yeah. out the other end. It's going to be what shapes us. What's shaping us? You know, like you said, popular thought and media. Those are outside or you know, the word of God, the tradition of the church, the church itself. Exactly. We know that for, you know, for many things, and especially for, you know, marriage and a family unit, 
you got to be looking to you know to this because you know, God established abs- marriage he he will absolutely. give you the right way for it that's right um father I thank you for coming on again um My pleasure your, thank you for the your words have been very insightful and I think hopefully very helpful to the viewers and for people looking to start a family um hopefully we can have you on another time because you're very very helpful to us father thank you again for coming on and guys don't forget to like subscribe leave us a comment share us because it's very important in human life and christian life especially um let us know if you have any questions and thank you for listening